0: In today's episode, we'll get into the Jets' playoff matchup against the Oilers, including what the Game 1 lineup should look like, as well as first-round picks across the NHL, and finally, an interview with Two Hands Catering Company. Hit the music.
1: Hello, everybody. Recording live from
0: somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, it's just about here. The Winnipeg Jets not only have clinched a playoff spot, but we now know what the first round matchup is going to be like. Jets, Oilers, it's the Smythe division all over again. We'll We'll hope for a better outcome this time around, but that's pretty much going to be the focus moving forward uh, through these next two episodes before we get to game one later next week and to help me get ready for it in today's episode as well as maybe a little travel around the rest of the NHL. My brother Tyson Rawicki is back at it here. Tyson, what's going on, kid? Not too much. I'm just excited for some playoff hockey to start. Now, we don't incorporate any of the video element we we record the interviews here we can see each other face to face um but everybody just gets the audio out of this so the listeners don't know that tyson out of the blue i don't know if it's just like lockdown related or what but you're rocking like the sam Bennett mustache it's not lanny mcdonald but like you could definitely you could definitely pose as a peaky blinders extra well, that's a look. It's play. It's playoff season. What do you expect? I gotta. I gotta at least do something. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you credit. Like normally, your your dusters in the past have been pretty like Crosby esque, right? Like just a couple of oh, a couple yeah. of loose hairs here and there. But oh, you yeah. you you showed up big time. I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's been described as a someone called puby at some points, but uh, oh, God. finally we're looking at, we're looking a bit better now. You're a man. You're a (laughs) man. All right. Well, let's get right into it here. The Jets picked up, I don't want to say a big win, but maybe a comforting win over the Vancouver Canucks 5-rip earlier this week. Maybe at least gives you and gives Jets fans out there some optimism that, hey, maybe they could make this a bit of a long series against the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, look, not really a whole lot to break down in that one. We kind of know where things are with the Jets. I, I guess at the very least... It's a little bit of optimism and positivity around the club. And Paul Stassi's one thousandth game, which, you know, as as president of the Paul Stassi fan club, that was awesome to see. And it clearly lit a fire under the Jets behinds. And then they gave a behind kicking to the Vancouver Canucks. And hey, at the very least, if if wheel Wheeler Connor is gonna be the top line heading to the postseason, at least they all got on the board in that Canucks game, arguably the last game of the regular season that really truly mattered for the Winnipeg Jets. But let's look ahead quickly to the start of the matchup against the Oilers, Tyson. And before we get into, you know, the intricacies of the matchup, what the Jets need to do against Edmonton to turn things around because their season series was an absolute disaster. I want to hear what your Game 1 lineup is, okay? We can, I mean, we can get into the differences of what we think Paul Maurice will do and, and what he should do. But let's start up front, okay? We know Shifley-Wheeler-Connor has been the go-to over the last couple of games here. If you were behind the bench for the Winnipeg Jets in Game 1 against Edmonton, what's your forward lineup looking like? Well, I'm guessing that Dave Tippett's going to go heavy against the Shifley line with McDavid to start the series off, especially getting the last change. Uh, So I went with Stasny-Shifley-Wheeler as my top line. Then I went with Connor Dubois Ealers as my second line, assuming that Ealers is healthy, and hopefully he is. Please God, let's hope he's healthy. Just because I and I really think that these middle six lines are gonna be key in stopping McDavid this series because you're gonna want to open up that top line all series because that's your best shot outgunning McDavid. Third line, I go cop, Lowry, Appleton. And then for my fourth line, I go Perot, Thompson, and Lewis. Okay. Okay, and we kind of both agree that I think in an ideal world we would go four deep, right? You you'd right. go with the big guns down the middle, Shifley in whatever order, and, and and however the wingers fill out after that. I think we would like to see Shifley, Dubois, Lowry, and Stasny, and then you fill out the wingers after that, right, Tyce? Right, for sure. But I just don't see. I really don't see Maurice doing that. There's been no indication this year, so trying to keep it a little realistic. Yeah, well he hey, he loves his he, lo- he loves his veteran fourth lines. And, and people can get on Paul Maurice for this. But guess what? Guess who else loves their fourth lines filled with veterans? Literally every coach in the NHL. Like all, right? Like can we is there a coach out there that's throwing, you know, 3 21-year-olds and everybody's all jacked about? Alright, well that's not bad Tice. That's a pretty good looking forward lineup. I went a little differently. Now, and again, this is the big thing, and and we're not going to know this until basically Wednesday night, I would assume, when and if Nikolai Ehlers is going to be in the lineup. And and let's be honest, too. However you feel about the Jets' chances going into the series, unless Connor Hellebuck turns into Dominic Hasek, the Jets aren't beating the Oilers without Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup. So we're just going to assume that everything is okay, and he's going to be in there for game one. They could win a game without Nick Ehlers, but I don't think they can win four out of seven against the Oilers. But... For me, when I'm looking at trying to configure the best Jets lineup, and we're both in agreement here in our bottom six that you know it's not necessarily what we would do, but we know Palmer is going to go cop Appleton, Lowry, followed by Thompson, Perot, and Lewis in his bottom six. For my top six, I, I kind of have a few commandments that you have to follow. Number one for me is keep Scheifling Connor, and Wheeler apart. <laughs> I, I know Maurice is digging into the well again, but it's not, hey, it's not 2018. It's 2021. And while they might have a good game or two once in a while, they've just shown what's their track record. They're going to get outscored five on five. And against McDavid and Dreisaitl, it it's just not going to cut it. You, you need to be a lot better than you know, just barely getting outscored or breaking even. You almost have to win that matchup. My other thing is, you know, even if you break that lineup, I do not want to see Wheeler and Connor on the same line. They're the team's two worst defensive forwards. So there's more than enough firepower to go around that I don't think you need to have those two on the same line, even if it's with a different center other than Mark Shifley. Speaking of Mark Shifley, my I guess my big thing here and, and why I went with the top six that I did is that I actually want to keep the Jets' two best offensive options apart from each other. So I'm going Scheifele, Connor, and Stasny. Stasny out there on the wing. He can play pretty much any position, so I'm not worried about that. But I'm I'm really feeling the second line that I put together. Pierre-Luc Dubois centering Nikolai Ehlers and Blake Wheeler. I really like the way this looks because... You know, I, I, as much as I want to see Ehlers up there with Shifley and, you know, have play him 20, 21, 22 minutes a night, it's probably best balance-wise to have Shifley and Ehlers on separate lines. And if Paul Maurice works his bench the right way, if you can get Lowry, Copp and Appleton out there multiple times against, realistically, either McDavid or drysidal hopefully McDavid, that's going to open up Ehlers, Dubois, Wheeler to feast. On maybe the worst bottom six in the entire National Hockey League, it's it's crazy to say because Edmonton is is where they are in the standings, right? But it's the truth. Like their bottom six is it's fourth line slash AHL level quality, and I just I really like the the opportunity and the potential of having Ealers Dubois and Wheeler feast on the Ryan McClouds of the world, the, the Jujar Karas of the world, the Alex Shaysons of the world. Right. And I think I, I'm pretty sure uh, McDavid's accounted for 72.6% of the Oilers goals this year, which is absolutely insane. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, like you said, really, if you could feast on that bottom six, that's definitely the Jets best chance of winning. And then, Putting and like you said, having Elyers on that top line or on the second line, sorry, with and Shively on the first, it gives two guys that can carry the puck in. Because I think in this series, a big thing is going to be Mike Smith's ability to play the puck. The Jets forecheck has kind of nice. been stagnant at sometimes, and I, I mean, if you're dumping, if you're dumping it in, and you don't have an aggressive forecheck, Mike Smith's just going to get it it every single time. So I think that could be a, a bit of an underrated, underrated uh, storyline to check in on the series as it goes on. You got a good stash, and, and you make a good point there, Tice. Mike Smith is, and the Jets have had troubles with really good puck-playing goaltenders in the past, right? Even, you know, Carey Price in Montreal. Uh, sometimes they get a little dump happy, and that's just not going to work against Mike Smith. And I mean, any goalie, but Mike Smith especially, who, you know, really insanely is having maybe the best season of his entire career at the age of 38, 39. You make a good point, too, and, and look, This has been maybe the most glaring deficiency since Nick Ehlers went down with injury. And that's the fact that even though the Jets have a ton of offensive talent, they don't have a lot of guys that can carry the puck into the offensive zone, carry the puck through the neutral zone. And Nick Ehlers is obviously one of the best in the entire National Hockey League at doing that. So having that back to kickstart their offense is, is just absolutely massive. But, Let's talk a little bit about the the tools to beating the Edmonton Oilers when it comes to up front. You kind of mentioned it there. How would you go about kind of line matching? I know Paul Maurice isn't going to have uh last change heading into the the first two games in Edmonton. But if you had your choice, you know, whether it is Shifley, Connor Wheeler, however it plays out, at the very least, who are the centermen that you want to throw out there against McDavid and Drysaddle if you have the opportunity? Well, definitely against McDavid, I want to avoid Scheifele going out against McDavid as much as possible. McDavid dominates the first line, then the Jets are kind of hooped. Ideally, I would like to keep Scheifele away from McDavid. I mean, I had Dubois and Larry as my two centers, so I those two lines I would match up directly against McDavid. And if Scheifele has to go up against the dry side of the line, so be it. I'll take my chances with that. I figure they can probably win that battle. And then from there, I'm just relying on the rest of my bottom six to beat their bottom six. Yeah, that's pretty much how I see it, too. I think for me, the main thing that I would love to see Paul Maurice find a way to make happen is, and this depends, too, on how much you're playing Adam Lowry. I'm okay if it is in the in the upper teens in a series like this. But I'm pretty sure you basically need to have Adam Lowry's five-on-five five shifts Exclusively against either McDavid or Drysidel. For sure. Personally, I agree. I would like to see Lowry go up against McDavid as, as much as possible. I know you're not going to put him every single shift, hard match him. But I mean, it's clear that's their best defensive line. First off, yes, Lowry can skate with Connor McDavid, but I mean, nobody can, so you're not trying to do that in the first place. But I think Adam Lowry could be really effective at You know, when McDavid grabs a bunch of speed in his own end and then moves back up the ice, if Lowry can kind of stop him from doing that initially, you're at the very least going to eliminate the rush opportunities that Connor McDavid and that line gets. And that's a big, big part, at least, I don't want to say keeping them off the scoreboard, but maybe limiting him to a point or two points, which is crazy to say, but that's basically what you're asking for out of this series. But you look at what Edmonton's throwing out there in their bottom six, and... I get they're not going to play as much as they did in the regular season, but going into this series, Ryan McLeod, James Neal, Alex Chason is their third line. That oh is such a winnable matchup for the Winnipeg Jets. Like that, that's that really is going to define the series for me. Is a Winnipeg not allowing Edmonton's bottom six to score? If they score, it's over in five games maximum, maybe four. You're just not going to win if if Edmonton's other guys beat you. But if Lowry and, you know, Shifley to an extent too, if they can at least keep McDavid in check, I mean, Ehlers, Dubois, Stasny, Wheeler, all all the secondary guys for the Jets, I know they haven't in the last couple of weeks, but boy, oh boy, is the opportunity there for them to take advantage of of some pretty serious matchups considering the Jets are going to be underdogs in this series. Dubois is going to be so important in this series because if he's not playing with Shifley, He's going to get a majority of his matchup against that third line and you need that line to dominate that third line. That second line should dominate that third line. It really should. I think that's going to be the key of the series really. Now, quickly, uh, are you going Hellebuck or Berswa game 1? Uh I don't know, that's I more of a tough call. <laughs> tough call, Tice. What do you what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I might just have to go with Hallebuyck just because uh, he's coming off a shutout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because of the shutout, I think we should go with Connor Hallebuyck. But he's got a tight leash on him. You you never know. Brassois ready to go. All right. Now we're going to make our first round predictions for the rest of the NHL in just a second here. I'm going to make my official Jets-Oilers prediction on Tuesday's show. So make sure you tune into that. I have a special guest joining me as well. But Tyson, you will not be there Tuesday. So let's hear it. Do you have a pick? Jets, Oilers, and, and how many games? How do you see this series playing out? Unfortunately, I think I'm I'm going to go with Oilers in seven. Ooh. I, I, do think, I do think the Jets are going to put up a fight, and I think it's actually going to be a lot more competitive series than people are making it out to be. But I just think, in the end, McDavid's firepower is going to be too much against the Jets. I mean, that's a heartbreaker. I I, I don't know if I'm going to go. I have a couple ideas on where I think this is going to turn. But I do agree with you where I think this is going to be a much more competitive series than the regular season suggested. The one thing is you just you never know with Mike Smith, right? Going into this year, everybody would have laughed if Mike Smith was the starting goalie for the Oilers in the playoffs. So that's something that we'll have to keep an eye on here. If he's played like he did all year, then, you know, Edmonton's probably moving through. It's funny because he's got there's. Playoff runs where he plays unreal, and then there's playoff runs where he's literally the worst goalie in the playoffs. So that's going to be, if they can get in this kitchen and maybe he just turns into a hothead, who knows? Yeah, who knows? We'll we'll find out pretty soon. We're less than a week away from Jets Oilers kicking off here. Super Jack to get that one going. Now we'll get to the rest of the NHL here with our picks. East, Central, kind of the West, and then the other North Division matchup in just a sec. The playoffs start this weekend, but Tyson, you know what else starts this weekend? What? UFC 262? DraftKings is here to make UFC 262 mean a whole lot more with a daily fantasy lineup because DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of UFC. For this weekend's fights, millions of dollars is up for grabs, and fantasy MMA is super easy to play You pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, you get points for punches, kicks, takedowns, all that and a whole bunch more. Plus, don't forget basketball, hockey, playoffs, and those two sports, baseball as well. DraftKings has money to make it rain throughout the week. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN To get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Tice, I know you're a a big Octagon fan. You got any picks for the listeners out there for 262? Oh, yeah. I'm locking in the main and co-main, and I'm going with Michael Chandler and Benil Dariush. I feel like if you want to win some money, you got to have those two in your lineup. I like it. I don't know what any of those names mean, but I'll probably try it. I'll sprinkle a little bit of money on that as well. So pick that uh, when it comes to UFC 262 this weekend and throw that in your draftkings lineup too if you want to make a little extra cash. So those are your picks for the weekend. Let's get into our picks for the rest of the NHL. The first round starts on Saturday with Bruins Capitals. My wish for that series is that both teams somehow are eliminated. In fact, the entire East Division, if they could be eliminated, that's awesome. But it's the toilet bowl in that series. Before we get to the East, let's go quickly the other North Division matchup. Leafs-Habs. It's crazy these two teams haven't met in like, what is it, 30 or 40? I don't even know what it is anymore. Toronto is the overwhelming favorite, no doubt about it, as they should be. Do you see the series playing out that way? I honestly think this this is going to go 7-2. I think that every good team has that one series where they kind of they kind of overcome their their hump like the caps did it and I think that Vancouver remember Va- Vancouver against Chicago 10 yeah. years ago against right that game 7 of that series yeah exactly I think they're going to get pushed right to the edge and I think they're finally going to get over that hump and I think this I mean I think this is here they could do some real damage so I'm going leaves in 7 so there's two ways and only two ways this series goes Seven games or Leafs in four. There is no in between whatsoever. and I'm just I'm fascinated purely by the by the mental aspect of this series for the Leafs, right? Like they just all the pressure of the world is on them. They're the better team, they're the favorite. They've got the star power, the firepower. And basically, what? five to ten jobs are on the line if they don't win at least around this year. So I can see it going either way, honestly. I'm gonna take I'm gonna go on a bit of a limb with most of my picks. I'm going Leafs and four. I, I've been really disappointed in Montreal this season. I actually picked them before the year to battle it out with Toronto for first. I had the halves finishing second, but I don't know. I mean, yes, they've changed coaches. They're just I don't know. I, nope. I get they're deep, but there's just to me, there there's not that much to be feared if you're the Maple Leafs and I don't know if, you know, just having Shea Weber is going to be enough to slow down Matthews and Marner. All right, so we both have the Leafs advancing. Tyson has them in seven. I got them in four games. Um, We'll move on here. Actually, well, I guess, Tyson, you have Toronto Edmonton in the next round. Who do you think represents the North? I'm going to go with Toronto again. I'm going to say Toronto beats the Oilers in six. Let's go out east. This is tough for you and me. Now, I actually, with my playoff predictions before the season, I went 14 of 16. I got 14 of 16 teams correct. My biggest miss, though, unfortunately, (laughs) I had the Flyers not only making the playoffs, but winning the East Division and then winning the Stanley Cup. So basically, everything else I said doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant. Just a bit off on that one. Yeah, just a wee bit off on that one. Um, But we got Pittsburgh Islanders, Caps Bruins, well, Washington Boston starts us off, uh, starts the entire postseason off. So let's go with that one first. Uh, I got caps in seven. I think it's going to, I think the series is going to be crazy. I think it's going to be back and forth. This caps team is just so tight. And it just seems that they're perfectly made for the playoffs. And I can see them going on a deep run. And I actually do have them going on a deep run. <laughs> now, I just remembered this because I'm an idiot, but is facing Boston. Yeah. 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 You can tell I watch a lot of hockey this year. Charles Chariz face facing the Bruins. I do not see the series playing out that way. There's just something that Washington isn't playing all that good heading into this. I mean, Kuznetsov, it feels like Kuznetsov is basically one foot out the door there in DC. You know, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big Lavie fan, and I think I think he's a hell of a coach. But to me, Boston is rolling right now. They they're like the New York Giants back when Eli was quarterbacking there, and they would just get hot at the end of the season and go on deep playoff runs. I think Boston is just getting hot at the right time. I think the new second line is going to be too much for Washington to handle, and I'm just I'm not sold on Samsonov or Vanacek and Net. So I'm going to take the Bruins in five. Actually, I, I think Boston makes quick work of this one. Although I do agree that this has the potential to get completely out of control. And off the rails, and you know if there's a prop bet out there that Tom Wilson doesn't finish the series on the ice, I, I might have to take that bet. Let's go to the other one now. Pittsburgh Islanders. Mm, ugh, that is not a watchable matchup for me, but we got to pick it. So who you like, Tice? I'm gonna go Pens and five. I think. I think that this is the year that the Isles kind of Cinderella run, kind of kind of ends. I, on paper, they just shouldn't be as good as they are. I just think Pittsburgh overwhelms them. Yeah, New York's not playing really good right now either. They they've struggled going into the the second half of the season. Uh, damn it, Pittsburgh! I got Pittsburgh too. I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I'll take I'll take Pittsburgh in six. I guess I I don't know how much of this series I'm going to watch to be honest. <laughs> uh, so you got Pittsburgh, Washington. Do you have the? It sounded like you had the Cavs coming out of the East. Yeah, I got Cavs beating Penn the second round. Well, if it if it goes that way, I'll, like please God, please God, take Washington. Um, but I'm going to go with Boston to come out of the East Division. Let's move over to the Central now quickly. Hurricanes, Preds, maybe is this the biggest mismatch of Round One for you? Yeah, I think it's just. I think they're just going to outmuscle them. They're going to outpower them. They're better up and down the lineup. The only way I can see it is if Sorrow stands on his head and steals the series. But even then. I just really don't see Nashville winning. No, I don't think they're going to be competitive either. I know, I know their season series was pretty close between the two teams, but you know what? Mrazek and Adelkovic have both been good this year, so I, I think Carolina's set. I think they're, I think this is kind of the year for the Hurricanes. So I am going to say this is my lone sweep of round one. Yeah. Are you with me on that? Yeah. Now maybe the most intriguing matchup of the first round. I would not no it is the most intriguing matchup for me. Panthers Lightning, the battle of the sunshine state. Now very conveniently, isn't this awesome Tyson that both Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos their injuries have just miraculously healed. They they That's weren't cool. ready a couple days ago, but now they're ready because it's game 1 of the playoffs. It's just it's it's so beautiful to see that timing-wise it's it's worked out so perfectly for them and they haven't circumvented the cap at all yeah it's yeah it's crazy it's it's not like kucha has been skating for the past however many months since february yeah. that's it's, weird hey yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just i'm happy for him it's not like tampa bay planned this out at all not a lot of people expected florida even to even make the playoffs going into this year but they're a bit of a force right now are you are you thinking that we might see a new stanley cup champ this year or do you think tampa survives to at least get to the second round I really, I really wanted to pick Florida, but it's just Bobrovsky scares me so much. I just, I don't, I just can't trust him. And you know, the Panthers are going to start them at least the first two games. And I just don't, I, I, that might cost them. So you're thinking Tampa Bay then? Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay in six. So this, yeah, this will be one of my out there picks. Because Sergey Bobrovsky will cost the Florida Panthers at least game one, maybe game two. But Manitoba's own Chris Dreeger is going to take over the net and the Panthers wow. are going to upset the Tampa Bay Lightning. There will be a new Stanley Cup champion this year. I like right. I like the Panthers. I know no Ekblad, but Mackenzie Weger is a stud. He is like he's a no doubt about it top guy and he's elevated his game actually since Ekblad went out. Barkov's playing as good as anybody not named Connor McDavid right now. I, I just, I and you know what? I think I think Victor Hedman's hurt as well. And the last time Victor Hedman in the playoffs was not 100%. The Lightning got themselves swept out of the first round by Columbus a little while back. So I'm not going to say sweep, but I do think Florida ends up taking this series in seven. Shout out Chris Dreger. Get the job done for the Panthers. Um, who the do you problem. see coming out of the, sorry, oh, go I've, ahead. I was just going to say, Bobrovsky was the starter for those Blue Jackets, too. So, Oh, nice. So you have Tampa Bay, Carolina, round two. I have Carolina, Florida. Are we both going Hurricanes to reach the final four in the NHL? Yeah, I'm going Hurricanes in five. I think the Hurricanes are Ooh. just the worst. Yeah, I like Carolina, too, to come out of the East. They've been the best team there. Or, sorry, the Central, the Central. Uh, but Carolina's been the best team in that division basically since day one. And I think the Hurricanes, I know it sounds weird saying this, but I think the Hurricanes are right up there with the best of the best of the NHL. Don't be shocked if they're holding the Stanley Cup by the end of this run. Now, the last division we have is the West. We can't really predict because as of right now, we don't know who's playing who there. We know it's Wild Blues, Avs, Knights, not in that order, but all in the playoffs. But we both think Vegas and Colorado are going on to round two, right? Right. Right. I, one thing I will say though, when I'm doing when I'm playing draft games when the playoffs start, I'm gonna put Capra's on my lineup every single night they play because he's got he's got playoff star written all over him. He's a 38 year old rookie, so I don't see why you wouldn't do that. So let's go right to round two. Then, I mean, to me, these are the best two teams in hockey. Who do you like to come out of that bloodbath? Are you going Vegas or are you going with the Avs? I'm gonna go Aves in seven, and I'm also gonna predict we're gonna get a goaltending switch in Vegas after the first two games yeah and i mean how much are the golden knights really missing out on there if it's flurry or Leonard, right right you know i think with colorado everyone's talking about colorado all the goaltending the goaltending's no good did you watch the avs play this year because (laughs) philip grubauer is likely to be a nominee for the vesna so that's their weak spot colorado's weak spot is a vesna finalist right like this is a tough one for me because I just I love Vegas. These these th- th- this should be the Stanley Cup final. So it's yeah. just upsetting it's round 2. You know what? These series somehow always end up disappointing. Yeah. I'm going to go Colorado in 5. I don't think the Abs are like that much better. That series can go either way, but that's just how it always plays out. Like you never get these seven game masterpieces between two clubs like this, but If I have to pick one, I'm just going to slightly lean towards Colorado and and maybe the star power of McKinnon and McCarr giving them just the tiniest edge against the Vegas Golden Knights. So I got a final four. Well, I'll leave the North Division until Tuesday, but a final three at least of Colorado, Carolina, Boston. Your final four, Tice, is? I got Caps, Hurricanes, Leafs avalanche yeah so do you have we don't know what the matchups are going to be after this but who's your right now who are you picking to win the stanley cup right now i'm going to go with the avalanche beating the leafs in the cup final all right that that is perfectly heartbreaking for a lot of jets fans so i think everybody (laughs) would sign up for that watching the Leafs get all the way there and then fall just one or two games short all it's right, be- well, hey, Tice, thanks so much for joining me here today. What you got? One more thing to say? Oh, I was just gonna say it's gonna it, it, it will suck seeing Jumbo get so close and missing oh. out. Oh! I almost kind of want to switch it now that I just thought of that in my head. And Jason Spezza. Yeah, and and our our good friend Wayne Simmons. Oh no! I don't want to see Toronto lose now. <laughs> I don't want to want to change my pick, but I guess it's too late. Well, this ended on a depressing note. That's—I don't want to see jumbo. I don't want to see jumbo tears at the end of the playoffs. I, I know my man North End Rink does, but that. Well, we'll see. Either way, someone's going to be pissed off. It, it'll be a hell of a story, at least. Hey, if the Leafs do win, at least it'll be a feel-good story for Joe Thornton, Jason Spets, and Wayne Simmons. They've got a bunch of old guys without a cup, so I mean, I guess there's that to uh, to at least lean on if Toronto does become completely insufferable and win the Stanley Cup. But we'll talk to you a bunch before then, Tyson. In the meantime, thanks so much for stopping by to join me today. Thanks for having me. It's always a blast. Well, those are the picks so far. I'll make my official Jets Oilers pick and the rest of the North Division on Tuesday's episode. In the meantime, though, it's a Friday, so let's end the week off right. A food interview is coming your way, and it's a new company here in Winnipeg. You might have seen or heard of them over the last little while. But two hands, the newest catering company slash pop-up, Keegan Mazanchuk, Michael Robbins are the masterminds behind it. They spent a couple years in London, England, working for some high-end restaurants out there. And now they're bringing their expertise right here to the Peg City. And I'd love to introduce Keegan and Michael right now, two hands. Hey, guys, how's it going today?
1: Good, good. How you doing?
0: I know you guys are super busy, so let's just get right into it here. Why don't you tell the listeners how Two Hands got started?
1: We got started on our way back from London. We were both living in England. Surprisingly, didn't really know each other that well before we moved out there. But um, inevitably, two guys in London from in Winnipeg from Winnipeg living in London have to go for a pint. So kind of became (laughs) buddies out there, and both moved home and decided we wanted to do some uh, fun cooking kind of bring a little bit of uh, kind of London food flair back home with us. So two hands started up just doing pop ups and special events and things like that.
0: So how did you guys get started working out there in London?
1: When I first moved out there, my plan
2: was just to like eat at a bunch of restaurants kind of, you know, you have your handful of ones you kind of want to work at, but you really never know what they're going to be like until you actually eat there. Um, so that's what I did. I ended up at a place called uh, St. John bread and wine for a couple of months, which is like kind of world renowned place. Uh, like no stale cooking, like Fergus Henderson is kind of like the godfather of like that British cuisine. And I was there for a few months, but it was honestly just like a little slow for me and kind of like similar to what I did before in Winnipeg. I ended up getting a job at a place called Brat's, which is like a one star, um, kind of like Basque inspired wood fire charcoal cooking spot. It's uh, like crazy big proteins cooked over fire. It's like really intense, really busy restaurants. And I was kind of trying to bring that like just really high quality produce and kind of food from London back to here I guess
0: so what is it like like just explain how hectic the work environment is at a high end restaurant like that like i being a chef is crazy to begin with but what's it like when you're dealing with michelin stars and all these awards and everything like that
2: there's definitely a lot of pressure for sure right? and like the, the hours are long the days are hard like Typical, like, get in the kitchen at 7 in the morning and leave at, like, midnight, 1230. Like, if you're lucky, you can sit down for a break and have some food. But, like, sometimes you're just, like, so busy that you have to go nonstop. And there's, like, in London, there's it's such a big city that there's always, like, somebody important eating at the restaurant. Whether it's, like, another, like, Michelin star chef or, like, a famous, like, actor, actress kind of thing. Um, So, like, no, like, you have to just be, like, on your game all the time. And it's, like, super exhausting. You lose a bunch of weight. You don't really eat. But, like, in afterwards, you kind of, like, reflect. You're like, oh, that was actually really great. Like, it was horrible while I was doing it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you come over. You're like, oh, I actually learned a lot. And, like, it was fun and a great experience. But while you're in it, it's just pure chaos.
0: Now, it sounds, too, like, when you were out there in London, there's a huge, huge emphasis on... You know locally sourced ingredients and making sure that local companies help out each other were you surprised at all by how much london kind of leaned in towards that and was that something that you knew that once you came back to winnipeg you wanted to incorporate that with two hands
1: we knew london had a great food scene and i think with any big mecca city like that that does have a good food scene you need good ingredients like you can't make food of that level without having awesome ingredients but maybe it surprises at the level at how awesome the suppliers were there. Like you got like, I worked at a place that changed the menu every week. So we'd have suppliers coming in and sometimes you'd have like a seaweed guy would come in one day. He's like, these are 12 or 13 different types of seaweed. This one's from Japan. This one's dried and hydrates at this level. You're like, and it just blows your mind at first. You're like, wow, I didn't think there'd be a seaweed supplier, (laughs) you know, or like, and it's just like fishmongers who are calling you first thing in the morning saying they're pulling a fish out of the ocean and it's just looking beautiful at 6am and they can have it into your kitchen at 10 30 you know um just that level of um working with um purveyors there is was surprising but you, you get used to it pretty quick and it becomes pretty awesome
2: yeah i think london had like a bad rap for food for the last like 30 40 years probably so, it was always like france and spain and italy they're kind of like the big european meccas but over the last like 30 years London, England, the UK has just turned into like this amazing food culture and city. And it's not just meat and potatoes. There's, you know, everything from super casual restaurants to like high-end three-star, like unreal food. Um, and the produce and the products is what's made that happen.
0: So you, you worked in London for a couple of years. What kind of sparked your decision to go from England, come back to Manitoba, to Winnipeg, And what was kind of the driving force behind kickstarting Two Hands?
1: Um, I think coming home was just the big subject of circumstance for both of us, you know. Um, Things were kind of getting weird over there, and COVID was hitting pretty hard and um, pretty serious. So I think it just kind of made sense to come home and be around family, and uh, Winnipeg is home. So I think we both decided kind of separately that that was going to happen. Keegan and his girlfriend had a tier visa, which was up. Um, so I got home a few months before them and I was kind of in a similar situation, um, on my side. So, and then just like starting two hands was like a no brainer. Like we knew we wanted to cook. Um, lots of places were closed and lots of the small restaurants, um, are really supportive of their staff. So whenever they were allowed to get back to work, they hired on the same staff and had that same team come in. So, um, for lack of better options, we wanted to cook (laughs) our own food. We wanted to do something fun and, uh two ends has kind of
0: emerged from that and you have a bunch of pop-ups that you've already done and some more coming up down the road but it seems like maybe the big thing you guys have focused on right now is your meat pies and these aren't just your run-of-the-mill meat pies you guys are kind of going all out with different uh fillings and all that right
2: yeah that's a really big influence from from london the uk as well like oh there a meat pie is like everyone kind of grew up on them. You know, it's like you can go down to the butcher or the corner shop and grab one. Um, So it's like super traditional there. And while I was out there during lockdown, a good friend of mine, Will started his own pie business, Willie's pies. And I always got to give him a shout out, Uh, (laughs) but he, he started doing it and it's something he wanted to do before lockdown or before COVID and COVID kind of just forced him into doing it and doing it kind of earlier. And, uh, you know, he was just bored staying home. And he's like, hey, I'm going to start this pie thing. And it really took off for him. And we are good mates. So I was working. So I went and helped him out and kind of learned all, like, the pie ways from him. And kind of always joked about, like, doing it back in Canada. Because you it's not really a thing here, right? Like, for the maybe, like, a tortillere, a little bit different, French. But uh, they're just delicious. And it's, like, a good thing to do. It's something a little different. So we thought we could bring it here and... So far, I've got really good response. People seem to like it.
1: Yeah, I think it's comfort food at a time when people really need it, too, you know? Like something comfortable about sitting down with a glass of wine or a big old pint of beer and a savory pie. Can't beat it.
0: Can you just touch on some of the offerings that you have with your meat pies? Yeah, so we change it every
1: time. So this is the second round of savory pies we're doing. We call it proper pies every time. Um, This time we're doing uh, like a curried lamb shoulder one with roasted onions in it. We're doing a chicken one, bacon, and roasted leeks, and then we always have a vegetarian um, option as well. So that one is uh, mushrooms, feta, we got some spinach and kale going on. So we keep it simple. Um, pretty close to traditional British pies, but there's a few slight twists here and there, you know? Um, then we always rock out some sticky toffee puddings because they're epic and so good. So we do those every time, and just like a simple side salad if people wanna make it a full meal.
0: And what are, when you're not killing the meat pies, what else do you guys usually have planned on the menu? Or is it just kind of a, you know, a weekly basis depending on what you're doing that weekend? Uh, yeah, you know,
2: kind of just going through like the memory bank of things in London that we miss and want to have. And what we want, you know, people to try here. It's just like there's just, it's such a big city there. And there's so many options to eat where it's like you you it's hard to go up for food there because there's so many places you want to go to and there's just so much different you want to get like the best pie or bagel or turkish or like uh chinese takeaway or something like that they just have everything um so we're just going to try to keep kind of rolling through those and you know hopefully try to do some of them justice in
0: winnipeg yeah and and so then what's the plan moving forward is it just kind of like what you touched on there just Pile down the favorites in the memory bank and and visit a different spot over the next couple weeks, months? Or do you have something else that you have ready to go after that?
1: Um, We had a couple planned, but with these new announcements, that's obviously thrown a bit of a wrench in it here because they were sit down dinner ideas. Uh, One of the things uh, we really wanted to do and had planned was out uh, in Clear Lake at the lake house is doing a multi-course, like modern Canadian style. Um, themed menu. So like 12 courses with everything sourced as locally as possible and foraged and lots of ferments and things like that and do a little bit more of a, for lack of better words, fine dining style meal. I don't like the term really but uh, yeah a bit more of an elevated style meal Um, but that's got uh, delayed but definitely not cancelled. So we're looking at doing something like that and then um, yeah, there's been talks of a few different things. One thing we really want to do is uh, cook with a lot of fire. That's something Keegan got to do a lot at Brat, uh, which really made that restaurant what it was. I think it was just awesome ingredients and then like, cooking over fire and charcoal all the time. Um, so that's something we want to do quite a bit. So as soon as uh, some restrictions are lifted, uh, we're kind of in talks with a couple people about uh, setting up a patio uh, somewhere and doing a big pop-up. Yeah, Manitoba ingredients.
2: It's kind of perfect for like some of the restrictions with like patios being the only kind of mixed households kind of thing. Uh, so we can you know set up a nice big charcoal barbecue in a parking lot. You know, grab some like good wine and some beer, some local beers, and kind of just do a little pop up restaurant in a parking lot for a weekend or a little bit longer. But I think it's going to go back and forth from like pie things to maybe like out things at breweries to like kind of more sit down like tasty menu kind of kind of style uh, dinners, just like a little bit of everything, you know? It's <laughs> kind of like...
1: want to do it all.
2: Yeah, it's kind of nice <laughs> not being in a, your own restaurant where you're, like, you're not kind of stuck to one type of food. You know, one weekend we do take up, the next weekend is, is uh, a tasty menu. So it's kind of how we're feeling in the moment and kind of going from there.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, look, thanks so much for taking the time to join me, guys. I know you're super busy with everything you've got going on. So I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, though, we always close out our interviews asking this, and I'm very curious because you have a wide array of of different cuisines and and things you've worked with both in Winnipeg and in London. But let's say for game one of the the Jets-Oilers playoff series, what would be the two-hand ideal game day menu? What would you guys be cooking up to get ready for that one?
1: You know, something we've talked about for an upcoming pop-up but haven't really solidified yet was pasties. So they're like this epic little like snack from the UK. I think they're from like the Cornish countryside originally on by the coast. I think it's the first thing Keegan ate in London actually from the airport (laughs) when they were famished (laughs) when they landed. I did like a Cornish tour with my girlfriend and we just ate pasties like all the time. But it's essentially like a little meat like a handheld meat pie. They're awesome. Think like uh like steak and cheese. Um, it's
2: like a really fancy pe- pizza puff. Yeah, I was going to say, nice. steak
1: and cheese pizza <laughs> puff, yeah. Um, and they're just awesome because they're like total hand food and they're savory and they're comfort food and they're uh, leaves you room for a beer on the other hand.
0: Yeah, hey, you're speaking my language. If, if there's a fight <laughs> that goes along with it, we're going to do just fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. That Pair that with an inevitable win over the Oilers and we're good to go.
0: There we go. There we go. Right on. Well, hey, before I let you guys go, just let our listeners know uh, where the best place is to get in touch with you guys. And the floor is yours.
2: Uh, I think the best thing is Instagram. That's kind of how we're doing all our advertising and marketing kind of thing. Uh, it's at Two Hands Winnipeg. Um, honestly, Instagram has like the power to do everything now. It's just easy to to get your idea out there and co- connect with people from all over. Uh, so if you follow us on Instagram, that's like the best way to find what, what we're doing, um, and kind of like we'll be always posting on there. Anytime we have something planned, it's going to go up there first.
0: Huge thanks to Keegan and Michael for joining me. Make sure you follow along with what Two Hands has coming up the pike. Like they said, a pie and a pine for the playoffs. I don't know if it gets better than that. So again, shout out to the guys out there at Two Hands and give them a follow on Instagram. We're back on Tuesday. Oh, baby, it's a big one. It's our last episode before the Jets postseason run begins. So, we will take a deep dive, a swan dive even, into the Jets Oilers matchup. And super excited to have Connor Haley from TSN 1260 in Edmonton join me. He runs the other Connor podcast, the Oilers podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. So, we'll go back and forth. We'll have some fun on what to expect between these two rivals. So, if you want to check out The Enemy's Perspective on the series, make sure you tune in and you follow The Other Connor Podcast. Until then, enjoy your weekend, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewiki. We're back on Tuesday. Peace.